putting it out on the table. He's getting out the scalpel, and we're going to investigate that, this concept together. And he does it by bringing an old friend into the conversation, Abraham. Paul writes, verse 1 of what we just read, what should we say about Abraham? He's our forefather according to our flesh. What should we say that he discovered with regard to faith? If Abraham was in fact justified or made right before God by Abraham's works, well, then he had something to boast about. But not before God. I mean, and then Paul says, you can hear him almost thinking out loud, what, what is it that the scripture says? And then he refers back and he quotes directly from Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Oh yeah, the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So how is it then that Abraham came into this saving relationship with God? And Paul wants to make clear to us by drawing back to Genesis chapter 15, hey, it was because of his belief. He believed in God. And according to that belief, it was credited to him as righteousness. But, but Paul's not done because he's not, he's not really comfortable with stopping himself there because he wants to make something really clear. He wants to make it clear that Abraham didn't enter into this saving relationship through his own effort. It wasn't because of his own merit that got him here. He didn't work his way to this spot. So to use Paul's language, if in fact Abraham was made right before God by his works, well then he'd have something to boast about. But not before God. And then he picks up the concept in verse 4. Now to the one who works... Wages are not credited as a gift, but an obligation. And this is where the whole idea and the whole concept really starts to make sense for me in my heart and in my mind. I'm hoping it will for you too, because that idea that Paul just shared with us, that idea is the idea behind every job that you've ever had or every job that you will ever have. It's simple. It's so simple that I think sometimes we take it for granted. Here's the concept. You perform a job and in return, you get paid. That's it. You do something and in return for the something that you've done, you are given money. And so Paul has kind of stumbled upon something here that really undergirds everything that we believe, right? A paycheck, to use our language, is not a gift. It's not a gift. We don't treat it as a gift. If we treated it as a gift every or 24 times a year or 26 times a year, depending upon how frequently you are paid, whenever that gift hits your deposit if it really or your account if it really was a gift you would say something to your boss like this oh wow it's so generous of you 
You're so thoughtful. Thank you for thinking of me and depositing that money into my account. But that's not how it goes. A paycheck isn't a gift. It's a wage. And wages are what are owed to you in exchange for the work that you have done. Paul's illuminating this for us in his dissection of this whole thing. And that's a really true life principle, but here's where we can start to run into some trouble. If you're like me, and I have no presumption that you are indeed like me, but if you are like me, you were probably raised with and maybe still carry with you a pretty deep-seated belief that you have to work for whatever you are going to receive. You, you, you tend to carry around with you in your body a belief that things aren't just given to you. You have to earn them. And you earn the things that you want through your effort, through your work. You work for it. And this applies to the simplest of things, the largest of things. If you want to know how to ride a bike, you have to work at it. You've got to get on the bike, learn how to balance, learn how to turn the pedals. There's a decent chance you're going to scrape up your knees in the process. But it doesn't just happen. You don't just magically wake up having never been on a bike, sit on a bike, and all of a sudden you can ride the bike. It takes work. It takes some practice. If you want to go to college, or maybe you want to go to a certain college, you have to work for that. You daily have to do the work that's assigned to you from your teachers so that you can learn the subject and earn the grade and looks good on your transcript, and then eventually your accumulated knowledge will be tested in a standardized manner, and you have to earn, notice I'm saying earn, not receive, you have to earn a good score. It doesn't just happen. It takes work. If you want to own a home or a car, well, unfortunately, that doesn't just happen either. I mean, wouldn't that be great? I mean, you have to work for it. You cut back on some things so that you can save money for the down payment. Those sorts of things don't just happen. It's not just given to you. It takes work. You have to earn it. And here's what was hardwired in me. Maybe this is hardwired in you as well. You, you have to earn or you have to work for what you expect to receive. You earn things in life. And as Paul rightfully reminds us, wages are not a gift. Wages are what are due to you because of work. And maybe that line of thinking is generally helpful in our approach to life. And I think it is. But that line of thinking can sometimes be detrimental in our relationship with God. Have you ever found yourself to be in the spot where you're emphasizing your duty to do things for God? 
Have you ever found yourself to be in a spot where you feel like you need to give more or serve more or accomplish more for God? And I'm not sure that we ever explicitly verbalize it or say it. It might not even hit us as a moment of clarity, but I think sometimes the impression is created. We have to do God's work in order to receive God's love. It's like we've, we've somehow allowed ourselves to have that higher hardwiring of life drift, drift into our relationship with God where we start to believe that we can earn God's love by our good, work, good works for God. And in fact, we won't even earn God's love until we do good works for God. And you notice what's happening here. We're turning the love of God into a wage to be earned. If I do these things, God, then you are obligated, God, to give to me this wage. If I pray, if I love my enemies, if I serve the poor, then I will receive the love of God, and then you, God, owe that wage to me. We can get there sometimes. I've been there sometimes, and I've been in that place, and when I'm in that place, I find myself living and thinking that way, and I notice a couple of things. Here's the first thing that I notice. And let's just lay it all bare this morning. Maybe you've noticed this too. But one of the things that I notice is that when I'm there, my good works that are done to earn the love of God aren't really done out of a love for God. It's ultimately out of a love for myself. If I'm serving you so that God will love me, well, then I'm not really thinking much about you, am I? I'm thinking more about me and what I want to receive. If my motivation in praying for you is so that God will love me, so that I can earn that love of God and receive it as a wage, well, then my prayer for you isn't so much for you as that prayer is for me. It's to earn what I want, which is the love of God. This is a really transactional way to live life and a really transactional way to have relationships. That's the first thing that I've noticed. It's pretty selfish. The second thing that I've noticed is it's exhausting. When we approach God and the love of God as if it's something for us to earn, then our constant effort to earn the love of God through right performance and right behavior and right motivation so that we can receive the right results, all of that turns the love of God into another job. Just a whole big set of things to do with annual performance reviews. And it just becomes really tiring. 
And so this morning, if you find yourself in this spot and you think about the love of God and you think of it as a set of things to do or a task list or you think of it as something that you really want to earn or something that you really, 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 really want God to give to you, then it could be like a spiritual gauge, a spiritual indication that there's some grace that needs to be received. And thankfully, that description I just gave to you is not at all how the love of God works. According to Paul, now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. In other words, Paul just breathes new breath of life into all of us reading these words as he says to us, the love of God is not a wage that can be earned. The love of God is a gift that God wants to freely give. It's pure and unmerited grace. And before we could ever think to earn it or work for it, God has already given it to us. And this is what I've found helpful. Maybe you'll find it helpful too. In our daily lives, we're conditioned to believe that my action is first. So my work, my effort, and through my action, I earn things that are then received. But in our relationship with God, it's actually the opposite. It's God's action that is first. And the first action of God is to give grace to give love, to give his presence to us. He offers all of that to us first before any of our efforts, before any of our actions, before we even thought those things to do for God. He's already given those gifts. In fact, we couldn't think to do something for God without God first giving the gifts to us. It's his spirit that always comes first to us. It's unmerited. It's unearned, and we receive it as a gift, not as a wage. And just a real quick little sidebar here. This earning DNA in our culture is so strong that it's turning gifts, even gifts that we give, into wages. I mean, think of the times and the place where we give and we, we receive gifts as people. And notice how those times and those places are being turned more into earning than just giving a free gift. I mean, birthday parties. You, you survived another 365 days. You've earned it. Here's your gift. You, you're a new mom and you have a baby. I, I guess now we call those things push presents, right? You did a lot of work. Here's, here's your wage. Christmas. You somehow avoided the naughty list. Here's your way. I mean, if you were on the naughty list, no gift. But since you, through your good behavior, earned it, here's, here's your wage. The wage culture is everywhere. We earn everything, 
But the one thing we can't earn has been freely given to us, which is the love of God. And we can spend our whole life trying to earn it, but those efforts will ultimately leave to a self-centered and an exhausted life. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we don't need to. It's not a wage. It's a gift that God has freely given to you and freely given to me. And the only thing you can do with a gift is to say yes, to receive it, and to say thank you. To put your whole trust in it. To believe in the goodness of this gift and the gift giver. And to spend your whole life saying thank you out of a heart of gratitude. So thanks be to God, Paul does something pretty cool for us through these words. He makes it really clear. The Christian life is not about doing good works to earn God's love. It's doing good works because of God's love that's been freely given to you and freely given to me. Thanks be to God for his generous gift for us this morning. I pray a quick prayer before we turn our attention to communion. Our Father, we are indeed so thankful for the love of God that you made known to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Freely given, poured out for unworthy people like me. So we come to you, Lord, not as anyone with a resume that would earn anything like this. We come to you in humility, with an open and soft heart, with thank you on our lips. Would you daily impress upon us, Lord, the goodness of your grace, and daily may we say yes to you. It's in your Son Jesus' name that we pray these things together this morning. Amen.